0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you for being part of today. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad I'm here. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's just terrific to be part of this church family in this place. And so here for the very first time, welcome. Glad that you came and hope you come back. And if you have come all the time, invite somebody to come and, and bring them back. One of, the, one of the great things about this church is we have a, a terrific ministry to children. Um, for some reason, God's given us an opportunity to minister. To a lot of kids, and, and it can grow. We can actually reach more kids in a better way uh, when we have more space, and that's why we're doing the whole new wave thing, and that's a little bit another category. But also, we can minister to more kids in a better way if we have more people, more people involved in this. I think there's nothing better, nothing more rewarding, I guess, than, than when God uses you to touch the life of somebody else. And you have that opportunity when you volunteer and work with our kids in our kids' ministry. And yeah, it means a commitment, and yes, it does mean time, but There's nothing more fulfilling, nothing more rewarding than touching the life of a kid. So if you're interested, if you'd like to help, if you just want some information on what it would mean to touch the lives of kids in our community here at Mariner's Church, um, write on your communication card, kids or children or something like that, and and, and we'll get back to you this week and and just give you the information on what it means, what it looks like. If God's kind of tugging on your heart a little bit, act on it, if you would. Just take an action on it and see where it goes with that, because I think it's a it's it's a really cool thing to do. Hey, would you pray with me, please? So, Father, thank you for now, uh, these moments, this time, and I do thank you for kids and our kids' ministry that's going on right now. May these kids, maybe some for the very first time, hear about you, Jesus, and what you do for their lives, but in, in <coughs> this room, in this time right now, um, give me the right words. May your spirit work in Jesus' name. When I do premarital um, um, counseling, couples always come in, and, and it, it's always real cute as they sit on the couch, and they sit really close and snuggle together, you know, and they're all cuddly and giggly and googly and all those kinds of things, their hands are all all, all, all held together, and, and we talk, you know, we talk, how'd you guys meet, and, uh, you know, they talk, talk about this, and, and, and what was your first date, and they talk about that, and the first kiss, and those, those kinds of things, and then, you know, when did you know? When did you know this is, this is the one? And, and we listen to hear all those things, and I smile, and it's all nice and, and kind. And then as we begin to move through this, this thing called preparing for marriage or understanding this relationship that God would have for you, we begin to move a little bit deeper apart from the first date, first kiss, first all those other things to, to into what, what God says about this whole thing called marriage. In the Bible it says this, God's eternal word, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And all of a sudden the kind of the cuddly cutie part, we move on from that to the depth and the reality of what God would have. For us in, in relationship. And so we kind of walk on holy ground here. And, and this morning we're going to have some fun as we talk about differences between men and women. And, and we're going to kind of figure out guys together what women really want in in their lives. But we have to understand that there is the sense of the holiness of God in putting these things together and working these kinds of things out. Now, for first-time guests, if you're you're here for the very first time, I want to do kind of a a quick review of some of the ah ahas that we've covered as we've been going through this this relationship series. And and, and really, the first one we we talk about is men and women are different, okay? Men and women are very different. I I would hold to that. Um, Here's an illustration of the way a guy is. is. This is what a guy is like right there. See that box right there? There's an on and off switch, okay? That's that's what it's like. This is the way a woman is, right there. There you go. So on (laughs) a little bit more complicated, a little very different, these boxes. And so, for instance, if somebody says, Well, why aren't you painting the house? You know, I would say, Well, I'm I'm in this box. And at some point, maybe in a year or two, I'll be in this box, you know, and I'm forgetting to do it. But that's the way. And the rule is no boxes touch. Boxes do not touch. Men for the most part, and again I'm generalizing and so so work with me here. Men for the most part are compartmentalized. Okay. When I'm in the workbox, I'm in the workbox. And all of a sudden if I get a phone call from home or something else is going on, it takes me forever to get back into the workbox. That's just simply the way the way I I, I am I am put together. Now, women are more like this. Their brains are more like this, wires. And I don't mean to say all confused and tangled and all this kind of stuff. I mean that women are more like wires in the sense that everything is connected. Every wire and every part of life is connected to every other part, generally for the most part, so work with me here, okay? This is kind of the way it works. And so this may be the the work box right here, and then this box, or the... This might be the the work wire, this might be the kid wire, this might be the car wire, this might be the family wire, they're all there. And every wire is connected to every other wire. And, And the biblical principle, because God's involved in all this stuff, is God calls us to understand the differences. God wants us to understand the differences and meet the needs of our partner to reveal Christ's love to his people. Okay, we're not just talking about marriage is for fun or marriage, is is for just simply getting on with life. He's talking about marriage reveals Christ's love to people. And Christ's love to people was sacrificial. And Christ's love to people, he understood the needs that we had, and he sacrificed himself for that. Therefore, in marriage, we have to understand the needs that our partner has and sacrifice ourselves to meet them. Now men and women have different needs they really do. This is what the Bible what the Bible says. It says each man must love his wife. And and we understand and we get that. A wife needs love. Okay? Wife needs love. We understand it. Got it. She needs love unconditional, unconditional, sacrificial love. But the next surprises us. And the wife must respect her husband. A wife's deepest need according to the Bible is love. And a husband must meet that need continually, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Pastor Len talked about this last week. But it says also that a husband's deepest need is respect. And a wife must meet that need continually, sacrificially, and here's that third word, unconditionally. How oftentimes times I, I, I've heard... Women say, you know, when we talk about respect, she says, I just can't respect him. I just can't respect him. And then she'll say, he has to earn my respect. And I'll say, well, that's interesting because the Bible says, talking about a husband must, must love his wife and a wife must, must respect her husband. How would you feel if he came in and said, you must earn my love? See, if think that sounds wrong, it sounds weird. You don't have to earn love. Love is just given. Well, the Bible says exactly the same thing about a wife's response to her husband. Respect. He doesn't have to earn respect. it has to be given. And we're going to talk about this next week on, on how you can kind of make that all put together. And all of our arguments, really, and all kind of the, 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 the smacking together between men and women and the emotions are usually because of this love and respect thing. It's usually not the issue. In fact, how many times you have you gotten into an argument and said, what are we fighting about anyway, you know? Because it moves quickly beyond the issue to the love and the respect thing. Okay? He's not feeling respected, so he reacts. And she's not feeling loved, so she reacts. Example, he forgets to wipe off his shoes. Okay? He walks in, walks across the carpet. Now, she all of a sudden, she kind of gets bugged. Now, she's not bugged at the dirty carpet. That's not the real issue. I mean, it's the trigger of the issue. It's the catalyst for the issue. It's just that she feels that he does not love her enough to care about the house or the amount of work that she's doing. You follow that? That's the issue. The issue is she just doesn't feel loved, that he cares enough about her or the amount of work she does to get the house in order. So she lashes out. Not feeling loved, she lashes out. And she'll say something like, why don't you just think for once before you walk in? And all of a sudden now, her response is directed straight at his respect. He no longer feels respected. Do you understand? It's not about carpet, it's not about dirty, dirty feet. She does not feel loved, so she gives him no respect. And this starts a crazy cycle. The crazy cycle that happens in all relationships. And the crazy cycle looks like this. Without love, she's gonna react. Okay? If she's not feeling love, she's gonna react. And she's gonna react without respect. And without respect, he's gonna react without love. And without love, she's gonna respect, she's gonna react without respect. See how it goes? Perfect circle, and it spins and spins and it spins and it spins and it spins and it spins. And most of the relational problems I find deal with love and respect. That's kind of where it is because God in his forever word has already given us the principles uh, on, on this. goes round and round and round. We need to break out of the cycle. It, it, just, has to, it just has to happen. And, and, and we talk about that ways. And, and the question is, who's going to make the first move to break out of this cycle? My answer is always the best-looking one in the family, okay? Best-looking one. It's always you. Always you. Always you. You're the first one to break out of this cycle. If you're not feeling respected, guys, you react with love. And women, if you're not feeling love, you still react with respect. That's the only way, or else it's going to go crazy. And, and, and what we find is because is if God made this thing called marriage, it's got a terrific um, way to heal itself. It does not take much for marriages or relationships between men and women to get healed. It does not take that much. And what happens is when you start getting on the love and respect thing, it looks like this. And this is kind of the energizing cycle. His love will motivate her respect, and her respect will motivate his love. And, and instead of it going that way, it, it, it's spiraling perfect circle up this way. Does this make sense to you all? This is, this is the way it works. And and so we've we've said this: you only get what you want and need by giving to your partner what your partner wants and needs. That's it. You're only going to get what you want and need by giving to your partner what your partner wants and needs. And so we've been looking at what e- each 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 need, the man and the woman. Next week we're going to look at what, m- what men really want, and 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 this week we're going to be talking about what women want. And, and I know I have an impossible assignment, me, you know, standing here telling you what women want. You're thinking, who are you, Mel Gibson, you know, in that movie, What Women Want? Who do you, who do you really think, think you are? And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not going to give you my opinions and my thoughts because they don't count for very much. Um, but we have God's word, and God's word is eternal, and it's forever. 2 um, Timothy 3.16 in the Bible says, all scriptures is inspired by God. And suitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, ready for every good work. Notice that, guys, for the man of God may be equipped, ready for every good work. And so we're going to take God's inspired word and pull out the principles on what it really means to 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 love a woman. Yesterday, I did I did something that I've never done before. I painted a car. I mean, it's part of a car, you know. It's oxidizing, and I I painted a car, part of the car. And do you know how freaky it is to sand down a car? <laughs> it goes against everything I stand for. And, and, and the reality is is I'd never done it before, so I, I took out the, you know, the, the cans of paint, and I read the instructions, and I read them very carefully because I'm dealing with something very important to me, you know, a car and paint and all this kind of stuff that's not going to come off. And I figure if anyone's going to know how this stuff is supposed to work it's going to be the manufacturer. Guys, if anyone's going to know how this thing called woman is supposed to work, it's going to be the manufacturer, and that's God. And so we really want to see what he says about about that. Here we go. Some words. Some words for us, guys. Okay? Guys, this is what women want. Number one, they want closeness. She needs you to be close. Genesis. Way back in Genesis chapter 2, it says this. A man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. A couple things just to notice from this passage. First of all is the word cleave. We don't use the word cleave much. You know, cleave means cling, become part of, kind of become unified with. Keep really, really close. Notice also that this passage was not given to the woman, it's given to the guy. It's saying, men, what you need to do is you need to figure out how to cleave to this woman. Well, why does God give instructions only to the guy? Is it because he's a mama's boy? You know, no, it's not because he's going to run home to mama. It's because God knows that the wiring of a woman is such that if a man tries to insert this thing into it or bottle himself up or box himself up like this, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. That there needs to be an opening of the box up in closeness to the woman. To not compartmentalize like we tend to do, but to give up His entire self. The Bible says the two become what? To become one, one. Not kind of this mixture, this mashing, mashing together. And so it, it talks about this—the intentionality that it's going to take for us to connect. Bible says this. This is way back, in the nation of Israel. If a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. Well, Why does God know about that? God knows all about it because he designed it. He figured this whole thing out. He's the manufacturer. And he would know that after marriage and after a a few weeks, the guy would say, okay... You know, I got this thing going now, now it's getting a little hard because I now have to actually talk to this person. So my guys, all my buddies and friends are going off to war. Can I go, honey, and, and train with them off to war? And he wants to get into this little war box and go off. And God says, No. For a year, you work together. You work this thing out. You develop a closeness and a and a connection here. When you're dating, you did what? You hung out, right? You hung out, you even talked, not just texted, you talked, you know. And that was face to face involvement and connecting, and and guys might say I'm not that good at that. Well, sacrificially get good at it, and do it. It's important. And so the question is, what will I do this week, this week to be close to her? Answer that one. Out. Next one, similar is openness. She wants you to open up to her, and 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 this one goes way back to Genesis two as well. It says the two of them, the man and his wife, were naked but they felt no shame. Now, it doesn't mean they lost their fig leaves or they hadn't figured out which way to put on their clothes. his clothes were all dirty and he hasn't washed them yet. This is talking about complete openness, and complete openness implies vulnerability. Not just physical nakedness, but completely sharing yourself. And so Song of Solomon, which is like this great love story that's in the Bible, it's, it's kind of kind of placed there. This, this, is, this is what it says. You know, the woman's saying this to the guy, my darling, my very own, my flawless dove, open the door for me. And guys go, ugh. And women go, what? Aww. And the imagery is drawing close and sharing hearts because a woman needs to connect because for the most part, her world is completely connected. Closeness and openness are part of that. So the Bible says, "Husbands, love your wives, and don't be embittered against them." And the tongue, Im- the term "embittered" means kind of a bitter taste in your mouth. And whenever something has a, leaves a bitter taste in my mouth, I spit it out. I don't want any part of it. it means irritated, indignant, and, and it's like an anger that simmers. And and husbands, when you feel it, you close off, you close the box, you close the open box. And the Bible says, "Don't don't do that." So your wife feels you're open when you're sharing feelings and talking about your day and your difficulties. And So the question really is, how much of myself have I opened up to her? How much? How much do I open up? Spend time. Next, next letter is understanding. Guys, she doesn't need fixing, okay? We have nice, strong fix-it boxes, and we're going to talk about that next week, women, so you'll kind of hear about that. She doesn't need fixing. Um, um, I, I was thinking through the most clueless guy in the Bible. You know, there's a lot of flawed people in the Bible. It's the Bible, and it talks about the human condition, which is all screwed up. And, and I think the most flawed guy in the Bible is a guy named Elkanah. And, and his story is pretty simple, and his statement is pretty stupid um, that he makes. But the situation here is is, is, is Hannah and Elkanah, they're a couple together, and, and, and there's a big burden that's going on in their lives. And, and, and here we go. He sees his wife crying, and he says this. Okay, follow this guy. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? <laughs> why be downhearted just because you have no children, you know? What's the big deal here? You got no kids, you know? Why, why I got all this food here, you know? This guy's an idiot, okay? <laughs> now, now, you want to say, Elkanah, you're really treading on thin ice here, so just shut up. Does he shut up? Oh, no, no, no. He says this. What's the b- he says this. You have, you have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? <laughs> the next verse talks about how Hannah killed him, but I'm not going <laughs> to talk about <laughs> it. He's a stupid male, you know. You got me, you know. Aren't I better <laughs> than, than, than ten sons? She wants a kid. She doesn't want you. Would you quit trying to fix the situation? He's trying to fix her. He's trying to minimize the problem. Peter says this, interesting verse. It says, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, now, I like this because it says I don't have to completely understand Lisa, but I have to live in an understanding way to try and understand her, to try and understand what she needs, to just simply listen and affirm the issues and the problems that she's going through. Poor Lisa, my poor wife. Um, when we were engaged, she was in California, and I was in Florida at the time um, at a church there. And, you know, being the dutiful fiancé, you know, uh, I would call her every evening. And and, and I, I, you know, was kind of a starving pastor kind of guy, and so I had this really cheap phone. Now, this is not cheap phone, cell phone, cheap phone. This is cheap phone, plug-in phone, because they didn't have cell phones back in those days. In fact, they used... Um, Telegraphs. No, I'm just kidding on that one. <laughs> anyway, that really cheap phone, and 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 the the reception was really bad. You know, you know all the static and all that kind of stuff, and I could barely hear. Her. <coughs> and she, she has a really soft voice when she talks on the phone. Anyway, and so we 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 talk, and 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 I had a lot of trouble hearing her. So I figured she just kind of needs to share her day and share what's going on in her life. So I'm going to go into, because I can't hear her Harley at all and I can't really understand everything she's saying, I'm just going to periodically say what? Uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, got into this pattern, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, uh-huh, huh Anyway, we're going, going, and, and she's talking about planning the wedding, which was why I was in Florida and she was in California, but that's a whole other story on this one. She's planning our wedding, and she's lamenting on some challenges, and I'm doing the uh-huh, uh-huh, oh thing. And at some point she said, uh-huh, what? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm, I'm just listening. And she said, no, I asked you what color you liked. And I'm thinking I'm in deep trouble. And she said, well, ha- haven't you been listening? And I said, I- I'm, 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 I'm trying to, but, you know, this, this phone's kind of not, not good. And I hear irritation in, in her voice. And she said, well, what part of this conversation have you heard? <laughs> I said, um, I heard hello. <laughs> and then I heard click. <laughs> so... Um, You show love to a woman when you see what she's going through. And what she's going through, guess what, is what you're going to be going through too. Because she wants you to be part of her wires. And she wants you to be experiencing and feeling the struggles and the challenges and the issues that she's, she's experiencing. Never say you shouldn't feel that way. Never say that. Feelings are real. And what she's feeling is what she's feeling. And you affirm it. Big big question is how well do I listen and try not to fix? Now now next week, women, um, um, we're going to be talking about how guys have this very very actually large bigger than this fix it box. We like to fix things, and so you got to help us out with this one because we're going to want to have a fix it box in this whole deal. Let's talk about peacemaking. Next one, that's going beyond saying you're sorry. Now now um, there if there needs to be peacemaking, there are obviously going to be problems. Otherwise, there's no need for peacemaking, right? You know, if God says we're going to be peacemakers, then there's going to be issues that are going to be in conflict. And so that's going to happen. And so the question is, what kind of stuff do you guys get, get tense over? And, and the box and the wire thing are really, really different here because if, if, if you're a guy, for the most part, again, generalized speaking and all this kind of stuff, if you're a guy, if it's a conflict, you can put it in a box and it'll work itself out at some point in time or you'll eventually get into that box, and you'll fix what's going on and what's going wrong, okay? It's what it is. It's a box, it's a work box. I'm going to go home. I'm going to put the work box aside, and I'm going to get into a whole different box. But a woman has all these wires, and they're connected, and if one wire is kind of hanging out loose, you know, all goofy, she'll keep bringing up the issue and bringing up the issue. Why? It's because things need to be connected. God designed you that way. They need to be connected and she also needs to be assured that this problem is not going to unravel the whole life does that make sense everything's just not going to unravel over over this one thing and so she brings it up again and he says look let's just let's just drop just drop it now, now, sorry, when there's a problem or when there's an issue or when there's a conflict between two people, you have to eventually come to the place of resolution. And, and, and sorry, actually, for a husband and wife are two entirely different things, at least my experience. And maybe it's not true for yours, but this one's true for my experience. Sorry for a husband and wife or two different things. In the film, what about Bob? Remember that film? Any of you ever see that one? Older film out there. It's really funny. It's got Richard Dreyfuss and it's got Bill Murray. So, you know, it's kind of nutty. And Richard Dreyfuss is a psychiatrist and, and Bill Murray is his is named Bob. And Bob is the patient, you know, and, they, and he's driving um, Richard Dreyfuss nuts. And what happens is Richard Dreyfuss pushes him in a lake or something, but he has to say sorry to Bob. The psychiatrist has to say sorry to the patient. Okay? You, you, you got that one? And the family's getting on Richard Dreyfus to say sorry. And 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 it's fascinating because it shows exactly how guys say sorry to them to each other, okay? Because guys don't make this big formal deep apology. Richard Dreyfus, in order to say sorry, because Bob's waiting for him to apologize, he just does this. As 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 he looks over at Bob, he just does this. He just goes like that. Just kinda and 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 Bob, Bill Murray, just does this. He just goes and it's over. It's over. You know it's over. As a guy, you know it's over. It's all over. And and the reason that guys can handle things that way is because I know it took so much humility and so much knocking down your pride in order just simply to make a gesture, you know, to me. That's fine. That's all I need to know. You're sorry. We're cool. We're done. Everything's okay. The very fact that you humble yourself and said sorry, it's over. Now, guys, for a woman it's very different. Because if you've hurt her here, You've hurt her everywhere, and it's affecting everything, every conversation, every feeling, every emotion, every response. I was once talking to Lisa about a situation. The Bible says we all stumble in many ways, and, and I do too, and I inadvertently hurt a young woman in our church. And, and I'm you know, trying to make amends on this thing, and so I've said sorry, you know, wrote a nice note, hey, I'm so sorry, you know, and, and, and she was still really ticked at me and, and Lisa knew the situation because she'd relay it to me, you know, what's going on. And, and, and I said this to Lisa, and again, this one kind of knocked my brain out. I, I said to Lisa, I said, I said I was sorry. What more does she want? Okay, now some of you are smiling at me because you know. Lisa said she wants you to actually be sorry. She wants you to fully understand how deeply you hurt her. And I'm now walking in entirely new territory for me because I never have thought of it that way, never. To me, sorry is a humbling thing. You humble yourself and you say sorry, and it just goes back in a box and some guy stores it away and it's gone forever. She said, you have to fully understand how deeply you hurt her. And, And guys, that's why you want to say sometimes, I said I was sorry, what more do you want me to do? You know, have you ever felt that way, guys? I said, I'm sorry, what more do you want me to do? I mean, what more can I do? I said I said, I was sorry. She wants you to realize how deeply connected she is. And how what you did affected this and this and this and this, and, this and realized that when you did that, you didn't just make a mistake, you violated love to her. When you walked in with mud on the carpet, you didn't not just simply get the carpet, she cleaned dirty you showed her that you didn't love her enough to respect the house that she's trying to maintain. And she felt no love from you at that moment. Please take that to heart. Please understand that. It's not a matter of the issue. The issue is not the issue at this point in time. The issue is she did not feel loved by you. And everything is connected. And so you have to say things like, I can really see how... What I did really must have hurt you and really caused you some fear in that area. And the last thing in my life I want to do is that, but I did it. And I know it caused you a lot of pain and grief, and I'm, I'm so sorry. And it will take time for the wires, all the electricity, to kind of buzz out, out of that. Go beyond sorry. Go beyond sorry, honestly. The L is loyalty. She wants to know you're committed. And you don't say, of course I'm committed. I mean, I come home, don't I? You know, I'm there. I don't fool around. I provide the best I can. What do you think I'm? And there are things the Bible says that are a clue. In Job it says, I made an agreement with my eyes. I promise not to look at another woman with sexual longing. There you go. That's part of, of loyalty, you know. Lust or looking is not commitment. And I, I do weddings, and and I say the richer, poorer, sickness, health, you know, better for worse. And that's a commitment she needs to feel every day, not just know, feel. So again, the Bible says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. (laughs) Robert McQuilkin, um, president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary, over 20 years, um, built the program up and the school and the ministry up, and his wife um, developed Alzheimer's disease. And it progressed and um, got worse, and uh, to the point even where she couldn't have him gone even for a few hours. Someone needed to take care of her. And he, he had to make a decision. His wife needed him full time, um, but the school needed him as well. What's he going to do? You know, get a her- caretaker, or is he going so he can maintain his position at the school, or is he going to um, stay at home? And, and And his decision was difficult. But he said for himself, it was simple. He said, I, I quit. I just quit. I quit my job. He said this. and I think this is cool. He said, the decision was made 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in health till death do us part. And he wrote a book. And the book's called A Promise Kept. Isn't that cool? A Promise Kept. promise of all the vows that he made at the wedding. And in it, he wrote, as I watch her brave descent into oblivion, Muriel is the joy of my life. Daily I discern new manifestations of the kind of person she is, the wife I've always loved. Loyalty. Is she assured of my commitment to her? Assured. Tell her all the time. Not just tell her, but do things for that. Finally, esteem. She wants to honor and cherish her. Cherish kind of sums up this whole thing here. Um, Treat her as the most important person in the world. And how you do it is, you know, let her know you're thinking about her. Phone calls, like when you were dating, or little notes, things like that. Second thing would be gifts that have meaning, and 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 I've discovered this the hard way, that that it's not just simply the gift that you you give; it's actually the motive and the intention and the time spent behind it. Okay, guys, figure this one out. Yeah, I know you're clueless. You're looking at me just saying it's just a gift, right? No, 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 It's not the gift. The gift symbolizes the tension, the emotions, the thought, the feeling behind it, okay? It's all connected. For me, it's here. It's a gift. And, and I had to learn this our first Christmas, our very first Christmas in Florida. And, and in Florida, what was 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 she told me the gifts that she needed, okay? She wanted four things, and I thought, okay, I'm going to give her these four things. We can afford it on, on this budget. And what I did is I strategically looked at a map on the, uh, of the mall, And I went at my lunch hour to buy these four things. Okay, guys, here we go. Ready? Four gifts, four stores, in and out from the car back, 12 minutes. Okay? 12 (laughs) minutes. Okay. Right there. And the women are looking at me like I'm going to kill him after this one. (laughs) Now, everything was great. She's opening the gifts, and she's owing and eyeing over the gifts. Everything was great until I told her, Four stores, four gifts, 12 minutes. (laughs) I ended up eating a teapot that day, I think. so. Understand, it's not just simply the gift. It's the thought, the meaning, the feel behind it, because this is the way things are constructed. And that's why sometimes the simplest of gifts that has meaning and thought and intention and care about who she is means way more than the expensive thing. I think it's really cool that Jesus, he shares this, this parable of the woman who lost a coin, the lost coin, remember? It says, like a woman who, who lost a coin, and she sweeps her entire house till she finds it. And I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy. I drop coins all the time, and I just, I don't even pick them up. You know, I'll wait till I have to vacuum, and then I'll pick them up, because I'm not in the coin pickup box, you know? It's just let it, let it happen. She sweeps the entire house, and, and something culturally is that when in, in, in Judaism, a in, in, in Jewish woman would have a, a headdress for her wedding, and on her headdress, the ornaments would be coins. And there's an assumption that's possible that one of the coins from a headdress had fallen on the floor. It's not just a quarter. It's not just a dime. It's a symbolizing of her commitment and her marriage. Notice that she's willing to sweep the entire household, not stop until she finds it, that should give you a clue, guys, on 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 what gifts can mean. And then, and then number three, build her up. James Dobson did this massive survey. Number one need of women is self esteem. Women get beat up with magazines and TV of people that look perfect, and she looks in the mirror and she doesn't feel like she's perfect. She's perfect for you. Interesting verse in Proverbs guy talking about his wife. It says her children stand up and bless her, which is really cool. And then it says her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world. You surpass them all. You're saying? You already just said? There are many virtuous and capable women in the whole world. You, you surpass them all. You're better than all of them. Every single one of them. Goes on it says, Give her everything she deserves, decorate her life with praises, do that. And you're gonna be touching every single wire that's in here. Do I speak highly of her in front of others and even the children? So what have we done to make her feel that she's first important in, in your life? The Bible says, Rejoice in the life of your youth. It means go back to the girl you first saw first loved looking at her and spending time with her and First held hands and first kissed. believe there could be a future between you two. That's the life of your youth. Go back. Go back. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as I read. I read from Scripture um, the words in the New Testament that Paul writes to us, and and I'm going to invite you just to bow your head. You don't even need to read it with me. Just Maybe bow your head and close your eyes. Guys, this is for you, okay? It says this, Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. Same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. God, God, you're the manufacturer, you're the designer, you made us. I pray for the men here that are striving and working hard to affirm the woman women you've placed in their lives. Give us wisdom and help, intentionality. May your Holy Spirit bring to mind that we are to love. Sacrificially, unconditionally just as you Jesus love the church so heal up marriages heal up relationships maybe between brother and sister dads and daughters or sons and moms heal them up I ask thank you God for what you have in store for us in this thing Jesus name amen hey thank you guys for being part of today I'm I'm glad you're here if you want someone to pray for you maybe for your relationship or marriage great team that 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 prays there if you want to talk to somebody about it we hang around here and so make sure you connect with one of us we're going to finish with a final song we're going to invite you guys to stand up make a little bit of noise as uh, John leads us on this one so God bless you guys love you have a terrific week